We all owe them, but very few of us know them. They are the men and women of our military and first responder communities. And these are their stories. American Warrior Radio is on the air. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to American Warrior Radio. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're coming to you from the Four Patriots studios. At Four Patriots, they champion freedom and self-reliance, and they give your family the tools to do so. We're coming up on summer brownout season in certain parts of the country. It might be time to look into one of their powerful all-solar battery backup systems. Visit 4patriots.com. That's the numeral 4, patriots.com. And don't forget to use the discount code WARRIOR for 10% off your first order. As a radio host, I'm always on the lookout for, for great guests. As a civilian who seeks to maneuver in the military and first responder battle space, I'm also always looking for valuable insights and perspective. For years now, we've been relying on the Havoc Journal for both. Their editor and owner is a regular guest, and we're pl- very pleased to have him back. Charles Payne, welcome back to American Warrior Radio. Ben, thanks so much for having me back. Love being on your show. Well, and just as a reminder, folks, you can learn more. Visit HavocJournal.com. That's Havoc with a K. Uh, Charles, you've been pretty darn busy since last time we talked. I'd like to start off with, I think, a, a favorite of both of ours, uh, Iman Kafel, who I, I think he might have the record, second to you only, is writing the most articles on the Havoc Journal, but also just a, a lifelong public servant. Grew up uh, two war-torn countries. They came to the United States immediately after 9-11. He enlisted and served our country very proudly in the military and now continues to serve his community as a police officer. And you've got some news about what he's been up to. Absolutely. I'm glad we're starting off with him, Ben. I'm in Cafell, friend of mine, friend of yours, friend of the, both of our shows. And what a great American growing up in Liberia and Lebanon before immigrating to the United States as a child and then joining the U.S. Army, serving a tour in Iraq before he had to get medically discharged and then went up to the Boston area and became a police officer. You talk about commitment, lifetime of serving and gratitude to his country. I don't think it's any better than, than I'm in those, Ben. Well, what's, uh, well, let, let me back up a little bit because one of the other things that Havoc Journal became involved with a couple of years ago was the creation of the Second Mission Foundation, where you challenge veterans and, and first responders to adopt a second mission in their life after their service to our communities and our country, and, and you help facilitate that. And uh, one of the things you do is help veterans publish their stories. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, we started the Second Mission Foundation. I, I was watching some of my friends leave the service and really struggle on the outside because they didn't have, as you identified, been a second mission after their service end. And that's not unique to the military. First responders, military contractors, very similar. So, yeah, we got into helping vets. We give micro grants through the Second Mission Foundation. But what we found really helped is to allow veterans to tell their stories through books. And we're on our third book now, and Ivan Cassell's book, The Resolute Path, is our third book. It's doing really well. Already sold 100 copies. Really proud of Ivan and his work. How, you know, obviously, we do this show, Charles, to to kind of parallel that path, that mission of allowing folks to, to share their stories with, with a particular focus on educating the civilian population. For someone like Ivan, and, and it's it's interesting, I I noticed in the 10 years I've been doing this show, I, I sort of noticed trends develop. And I don't know if that's wishful thinking on my part or there is uh, something else going on out there that, that I don't understand. But you see these trends in topics. And 
One of them most recently has been this idea of recording your stories so it's not lost forever, yeah. of creating a legacy, whether that's just for your family's personal use or for broader circulation. And is this, I, I haven't had a chance to, to read Iman's book yet, but is that, uh, is the Resolute Path something along those lines? 100%. So going back to the very beginning of the Havoc Journal, when, when Marty Stolen started this up in 2013, he always wanted to give a, a voice to the warfighters and the first responder community, and of course their families. And what we found when Iman approached me about writing a book, I'm like, hey man, you've got like 100 articles for Havoc Journal. You Like you said, Ben, he's I think I'm the only one than him who's published more with Havoc Journal. Most of mine went out under a pseudonym because I wrote them when I was still on active duty. But I said, hey, man, why don't we take your stories, put them together in a book, put some front matter in there, explain your life, and, and there's your story right there because it really walks through his entire experience from being a young man to being in the Army and now being a police officer in a way that I think is very reasonable and relatable. So Mike Warnock went in there, he, and the editor of the Havoc Journal went in, and he picked the I'm his best stories, put them together, edited them one more time, and we put out this book, and I think a lot of people will relate to it. Well, that's kind of cool because he already did the work. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> now, where can people, can folks buy the book through the Second Mission Foundation website, or I assume it's on Amazon and other of those type places? Absolutely. Amazon's probably the easiest. Also, if they go to the Havoc Journal page, we got an ad for it. They can click the ad, take them right to it, and they can, they can get it. We, since we're a nonprofit, we price it very reasonably. So, yeah, I think everyone who's interested in the, the perspectives of immigrants, of veterans, of first responders, of the police should pick up a copy of this book because it gives a lot of insights. Well, and I like the phrase, in his case, uh, new patriot. Yeah. You know, so often, you know, having been raised overseas myself, you you really appreciate what what America does right and, and just the, yeah. the tremendous blessing it is to, to be raised and be part of our nation. So good stuff. Okay, folks, look for The Resolute Path. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. I certainly, I know re I enjoy reading his articles. Speaking of folks publishing in, in the Havoc Journal, Charles, you have developed a, a relationship with the, let's see if I get this right, the Army Sergeant's Major Academy? Absolutely. We, we started getting a lot of submissions from the Army Sergeant's Major Academy, and that's where People are going to be senior enlisted advisors. We're talking E9, highest enlisted rank in the Army. They all go through the school, and we started getting a lot of submissions from them. So someone at the school told them that Havoc Journal is a good place to submit for a publication, and Mike Warnock's been working hard with these guys. As you might expect, a lot of these articles are really great, really great articles, and CEOs, not commissioned officers, do really great writing. Some of them need a little work, which Mike works with one to develop, and some of them just uh, weren't they weren't good articles. They just weren't a good fit for having children, so we had to turn them down. But we've been publishing one or two a week lately because they're they're starting as major academy students are getting into their writing block. And I've been really interested and pleased to see the quality of the writing and the interesting topics that these sergeant majors sergeants major are focused on. What? So you didn't solicit this? That's really interesting. You've got you've got a quiet advocate over there somewhere. Yeah, somebody, I, I have no idea. I have no idea how this happened. I don't know if it was a faculty person or someone who read Havoc in the past or someone we published in the past said, hey, you want to get something published, published in the Havoc Journal. And they're like, well, I've heard of that. Do you think they would ever publish something? So I think after we published the first one or two, the word really started getting out. And a lot of those sergeants made to be just started sending us articles. I've been very pleased with it. Well, let's be honest. It's kind of cool to see your name on the byline. 
right? <laughs> I, 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 Absolutely. We, yeah. And, and you've had that too, right there in Having Turtle Bay. And you've had your bot last several times. And yeah. those have been great archangels as well. Yeah. I've been slacking off. I, 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 I was working on another, another piece, but, uh, I hear the new owner editor is, is a real hard case, so I don't know if I'm going to submit or not. Listen, we, we're coming up on our first break, but I just want to uh, sort of tease that um, the the most recent article you published. I was in senior management at a major nonprofit, and retention and recruitment was basically my responsibility, and it was always a challenge. And you know, particularly when we would recruit the you know like the the younger the the entry-level management positions, you pretty much know they're not going to be around very long. They're going to pick up some skills, pick up some contacts, build a resume, and then move on to the you know bigger and better job. But our key was the support staff. They were the, the non-coms of, of, our, of our agency. And uh, I always did a, a little, put a little more extra effort into making sure they're happy and retaining them. But uh, those were ages ago where you'd take out a one ad and you'd get you know 150 resumes in the mail. And had to surf through them, but now this new technology you kids use is, is the subject of an article: social media and search engines impact on retaining talent. We'll talk more about that when we come back. It was written by Master Sergeant Eladio Terado. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is your host Ben Bueller Garcia. We're joined by Charles Faint of the Havoc Journal. Learn more Havoc Journal. That's Havoc with a K dot com. We'll be right back. Back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're doing our regular check-in with the Havoc Journal with the owner and senior editor, I guess. Charles, What what is your – you're the boss. You can change your title anytime you want. What is your – Hey, I'm, I'm basically just the owner now, Ben. Mike Warnock came in a year or so ago is really doing all the work on the editing front, really working on developing writers, soliciting writers, and getting stuff out on not only the Havoc Journal, but through our partnership with the Epoch Times. It's been really good to have a mic on board. In fact, he's on his way up here to see me right now. He'll be here in about two hours. We're going to spend some time together and plot Havoc's future together. You know, I apologize. I neglected that. Last time you were on the show, we talked about that partnership with, with Epoch Times. Tell us more about share our listeners with what you're doing with them, because it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm very pleased with it. So through an intermediary named Boone Cutler, who's a big name in the veteran space, who's a activist on our behalf. Boone called me kind of out of the blue one day because I haven't talked to him in a while. He said, hey, man, Epoch Times has approached me, this is Boone talking, saying, hey, they want to create some veteran content. They want to get in the veteran space. They want to help vets. But I don't have the capacity to do it right now with my advocacy on Capitol Hill. Would you would you talk to these guys? So I said, sure. So I did a phone call and some emails with them. And I, I put on my best suit, got on the train, went into New York City, went down there, talked to Epoch Times, and this thing called Battlefields was formed. And they they partner with us we get them content to publish and we do podcasts with them and they they get veteran content out to their extremely large worldwide audience it's been really good yeah i, I enjoy both reading and, and listening to some of the content it's very very good stuff and of course i'm a fan um coming back to master sergeant ladio tirado's article social media and search engines impact on retaining talent very well researched i mean it, i tell you it reads it does read like an academic article um, versus a storytelling article, which is more my area of 
of uh, expertise, but there's some just some great stuff in there. And I, I don't like to think that I'm that old, Charles, but <laughs> that whole it's changed dramatically. Yeah, just one funny story. When I was you know in the olden days, we'd get resumes. I'll never get somebody who thought it was a good idea to in the envelope that included their resume and cover letter. They filled it with glitter. And so I opened up and the glitter comes out all over my desk and, you know, God bless them. And it was an attention getter, but bam, that went right to the bottom of the pile. That's not, so, that's not somebody I'm going to put in a, you know, governmental affairs position. Um, but the, the hiring online now, you hear these ads for all these national recruitment companies. In the old days, people seemed to sit in jobs for a long time because they really weren't aware of the other opportunities out there. But now with a couple of keystrokes, man, you can have 100 job offers on your desk you know, in an hour. Absolutely. And of course the, the opposite also plays into it. One bad review out there. If it, if it goes viral, then no one wants to come work at your company. It's a true double-edged sword that we're dealing with. And one of the things I, I liked about this article, in addition to like we talked about being very well written and technically edited very well is the fact that it's so timely because I, I think we talked about this last time I was on the show, Ben, the army's got severe recruiting problems right now. And what, I always said when I was in was that people don't quit jobs, people quit leaders. And that's not something I came up with. Someone told me that many years ago. And I agree with it wholeheartedly. So I'm, I'm looking at this list. I got the article pulled up right now. The laundry list of things that might cause people to leave your organization. But for me, leaders is definitely way up there. I mean, especially in the military, military folks have put up with a lot for a long time, but they don't have good leaders. They're not going to take it very long and they won't be out in the streets for a small and smaller pool of people to recruit our, our best and brightest from. Well, with this generation too, it's not just about money. It's, it's right. culture, it's opportunities. Yeah. It's whether they can, the flexibility, if you will, where you're not just on the line all day or in a chemical, you might be working from home or, or doing some other creative stuff. I specifically want to ask you about that because I know that all the branches are just having a really tough time recruiting and I didn't, I wasn't able to really draw that out from this article about whether the master sergeant was suggesting that social media is a, a good tool for that or not so much, or it is what it is. Yeah, I think it's the latter. I bring this conclusion right now. I think that we just have to acknowledge that it can be a great tool for us to use, but it can also backfire spectacularly. And also, I think that we need to take a look at why people who traditionally would tell people, young people, to join the military aren't doing it and get after that as well. So I think if we kind of uh, take an evaluation of the standards, maybe we need to make an adjustment of, of who can actually let in and see why people are telling folks not to join. That'll help us figure out how we can get them to join. Spot on. And one of the different takeaways I took from the article was his suggestion. I never crossed my mind, but... The idea, you know, brand ambassadors and influencers are all the rage right now and how important it is to get somebody who's already within your organization who's willing to be that brand ambassador, that advocate, that cheerleader for your company, you know, going from internal to external uh, to say, hey, I work here. I love it. Uh, you know, Army, if you will, has a, been a great career for me. Um, you know, maybe you should look at it. And uh, what a great I mean, really, social media is this generation's word of mouth. We've got a fellow by the name of Paul Shari who's a former Army Ranger, and he wrote a book, Charles, called The Four Battlegrounds, Power in the Age of Artificial Intelligence. And I'm doing my show, Pep. I'm, I'm reading through this book, and it is absolutely terrifying because he's, a, a, you know, addressing it from a technical, from an intelligence standpoint, but then he's also providing examples of how these things could, could permutate and be used out there in the battle space. 
and it is really, really chilling. I grew up overseas, mostly in Mexico, and one of the advantages was very often the studios would send the movies down there to sort of preview them to sort of get people's reactions before they um, they debuted them in the United States. And I was probably, gosh, maybe six years old when we saw 2001 A Space Odyssey for the first time. And at that age, it was mostly confusing for me between the apes and the and the but but you know of course the the bad guy if you will is is HAL 9000 that that computer that basically sort of takes over things and I couldn't help but sort of go back to that when I read this article about chat GDP on Havoc Journal I've never used it I don't think I ever will because it just sort of freaks me out but um that you know interesting article by Dave Chamberlain addressing it and um what's his what's his take on all this another great piece by by Dave and just kind of sound the alarm on chat GPT, but also pointing out the limitations. So one of the points he makes is that chat GPT will never replace human writers. I'm not sure that I agree with that entirely, but right now it's definitely not at the same level. And I'm fascinated by the chat GPT, by the machine assistant learning and development, especially because, in, you know, until I retired, I was working at West Point. We, we had a very heavy writing component to many of the, the classes we were taking. So I, decided to see on my own how good chat gpt was i'm doing a very simple task like a very standard five paragraph essay and i gave it some prompts i told it i, I wanted it to write a standard five paragraph essay using the army's principal mission command in operation anaconda which was an early battle in afghanistan 2001 ish and what i found in that it, it wrote a technically correct article and for most part it was good but it kept sending at least two places that the principal mission command was used in this battle, which absolutely wasn't because it wasn't developed until like six years later. Mm-hmm. So right now, I think that most professors who are deeply steeped in the subject at hand will probably be able to at least see some warning signs in, in the type of information that the papers are getting kicked out by chat GPT. But I expect it'll get better. And eventually we, we might not be able to tell machine content from something that a student actually wrote. I do find that. And, and don't get me wrong, a tool is a tool. And if that helps, and maybe a, a good symbiotic relationship between the human writer and, and chat GDP or whatever comes after. I think there was also another of Dave's points in that article. So I tell you, we have to take another break, Charles, and we come back. I want to keep talking about this because I've never used chat GDP, so maybe you can talk me through it and maybe I'll feel a little bit better about what's what's going on out there with, with the HAL 9000s of uh, your generation. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Bueller-Garcia, your host. We're talking with Charles Spain at journal.com. Check it out. We'll be right back. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, Ben Bueller-Garcia. We're coming to you from the Four Patriots studio. At Four Patriots, they champion freedom and self-reliance. They give your family the tools to do so. Visit them at fourpatriots.com. That's the numeral, fourpatriots.com. And don't forget to use the discount code WARRIOR for 10% off your first order. We're doing our, our regular catch-up with Charles Faith, the owner of HavocJournal.com, H-A-V-O-K, Journal.com. It's my go-to website for all things military and first responder. And... um I'm just realizing, Charles, now that you're just the owner and you're not involved in the editorial side of things, I might actually have a chance to get published. <laughs> no, not at all. Mike, Mike's a far better editor than I am, Ben. And, and what I appreciate about Mike is that he takes the time to do 
writer development. Instead of saying just, you know, this is wrong or, or we can't use it, something like that, Mike will find a way to help editors. And I remember we, we talked about Iman Cassell earlier. Mm-hmm. Iman was always a great storyteller. He wasn't always a great writer. He is now because he's worked hard on it. And what Mike helped him do is take those great stories and make them technically like when I'm in says an articles right now, it's a lot like when you send an articles, Ben, we do very, very light edits on it. And sometimes just to read through to make sure we, we tag it properly before we publish it. So yeah, there, there are some people who can tell stories and people who are good writers and very rarely are they both the same person. And, and Mike helps folks at that level. Well, I was blessed to have a mother who was an English teacher, so that, that probably doesn't hurt. So when we're talking about uh, Dave Chamberlain's article, Bob, uh, uh, chat GDP, Explain to me if you were, so how does this work? I get on my computer and do I actually type up two, three paragraphs, 30, 40 pages and sort of submit it to this artificial intelligence editor? Or do I just, can I give them hints, say, I want to do an article about baking apple pie? Yeah, so it depends on, on the site for, for Chad GPT in, in particular. I use something called Mid Journey AI, mainly, I mean, it's, it's for photos. I, I've generated images for having your articles using the, the mid-journey AI. I, I use that through, I go into Discord, it's to add on to Discord and generate it. And they're pretty much the same thing when you're using any of these types of programs, Ben, you'll give them prompts and you, you have to do some minor coding. You'll tell it, like on mid-journey, you tell it to imagine, that's the prompt, and then you give it some key terms. And the more specific you get, the more technical you get, the better end products you get. And I'm scrolling through some of these photos right now that, other folks have prompted the mid-journey AI, and it's just incredible artwork. So not exactly the same thing that Dave's talking about, because it's, I think it's a little harder to write a good article than it is to generate a, a, a cool-looking cartoon or even a photorealistic one. But that's that's why you, you go to the site, you study how to give the prompts, you give them some prompts, and then it takes a little bit of time for them to kick out an article or a paper, and then, and then you get it. And I think the best use of this might be kind of like using Wikipedia, you don't use it as an authentic source, but it can be a great way to start. You, you, you read the article, you get a gist of it on Wikipedia, you look at the sources, then you go out and you visit the primary good sources yourself and write the paper. Maybe the same thing as ChatGPT, where you, you give it some prompts, it gives you some things to think about, you take that information, you go visit sources, and you write a better paper. I tell you, I, I might be, it's funny that I'm more paranoid than you, given that you've got more experience dealing with, with evil in the world than I have, but it, it's still... It, it frightened, you know, in 2001, and I can't remember, what was the name of the the other film where the, the computer took over the nuclear launch codes? And anyway, board games. Board games, yeah. I, you know, that's still, and particularly as I'm preparing to have this guest on, uh, some of the stuff, it seems, so for example, one of the things he cites is there's a couple of software programs out there where in real time, it will modify your voice. So I could be talking to you, but the, the software in real time will make me sound like a, a British citizen or, a, you know, a 13-year-old girl or whatever. And yeah. the original idea was to use that for these online gamers so they can sort of, you know, get more into their, their quote-unquote online character. But then he talked about the dangers of this and how yeah. this could be used to spoof people to scam them, you know, elderly people saying, hey, it's your daughter Susie, I'm stuck in Mexico, send money, or even worse, for predators, going into some of yep. these rooms and just the scary, scary stuff where the unintended consequences. So I don't, I guess that's, that's a space I'm in right now, Charles. I did take some, um, some solace out of, out of, uh, 
the the Dave Chamberlain's article where he talked about he he believes that it will never really replace human beings because there's things that we can do that it can't, like empathy, intuition, the ability to adapt midstream. Um, and hopefully it stays that way for a while. I don't know if, you know, if I'm a writer in Hollywood on strike right now, I might be feeling a little more nervous than others. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I worry about all the things also, but for me as a parent, edu- as an educator, as a veteran, I, I, I just kind of think that the Pandora's, Pandora's box has been open, kept out of the bag. So let's see what we can do with this to, for good and also figure out ways so we can implement some controls and safe measures to protect people. But I'm kind of excited about it. I'm interested to see where it goes from here. Let me really twist your mind. As I'm reading that article, when I get to the end, I'm thinking, how do I know that Dave Chamberlain isn't Havoc Journal's HAL 9000? And that the article about Chat GDP that I'm reading was actually written by Chat. <laughs> yeah. It, it, right? It's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah, well, I'm just so bad at radio, I'm not concerned that computers ever going to replace me. My producer didn't think that was funny. But let's, uh, uh, something has happened recently in my personal life, Charles, that, that has really turned uh, mine and Laura's lives upside down. We had a family member who is experiencing some a medical condition right now that it doesn't look like it's going to get solved. And so now at our age, we would found ourselves becoming the caretakers of someone. And it's just, it's very, very hard. It is really, really, I didn't anticipate the sort of psychological and spiritual drain that this would put on us. And there was a really interesting article published in the Havoc Journal by Wendy Arena, who herself is a registered nurse, called Combat Stress Control Units, Who Takes Care of the Caregiver? And given what Laura and I are going through right now, that just really struck me. And that's a very, very powerful read that she wrote about her husband, who's now going through some, some issues. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so... Wendy, Wendy wrote this article. This is actually a repost from, from one that, that she posted a year or so ago. But we, as you know, Ben and your audience will, will find out if they come to Havoc Journal. We often repost content that's particularly moving, like this one that Wendy wrote. And she was talking about enrolling her husband in the home base program, which is in Massachusetts, and how her husband is affected by PTSD, anxiety, depression, and TBI, all kinds of things that are kind of common veteran afflictions. And how a lot of vets don't want to get help, but they need it. And the toll that either getting help or not getting help takes on their caretakers. And that's kind of the gist of the article. And as I was reading it recently before our show, I realized, like, I need a follow-up to this. I can't just leave it where where it is, where it was when she wrote it uh, two years ago now. I need to know what happened to her husband. So I think I'm going to follow up with that when we get off the phone, Ben. Well, it's it's, I guess the... What really struck me is that he was part of these, uh, she calls it a combat stress control unit. I mean, he's he's also a mental health professional, and he was going out there and evaluating and helping soldiers in the field to see if they could if they could deal with it, if they could be put back into combat or back on the front lines. And um, it just, I guess what it made me think about, Charles, is so often it's the professionals who they themselves should know better. Um, you know what they say, what was it, somebody who, represents himself in court, a lawyer that represents himself in court has got a fool for a client. These, so someone who's a mental health professional, you think they'd be the, the first one to recognize the symptoms and ask for help, but not necessarily. Yeah, they feel like they have to carry that weight themselves. And I don't think this is something that's unique to vets. I think I think people in general, especially men, but, 
but women do far more caretaking than we do. But men who are caretakers feel like they've got to take on that effort by themselves and not share it. And that's just not healthy. It builds up over time. And if you don't have a, a good way to release it, then it, it might continue. And, and I worry that happens to a lot of folks in law enforcement, first responders, and folks like, like you and your wife who are now faced with with uh, with being care t- caregivers again at, the, at this stage in your lives. It's got to be tough. Yeah. Well, Tart Charles, hold that thought. I want to come back to that when we come back from this break. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your host, Ben Bula Garcia. We're talking with Charles Fink of the Havoc Journal. To learn more, visit HavocJournal, HavocWithAK.com. Welcome back to American Warrior Radio, ladies and gentlemen. This is Ben Bueller-Garcia, your host. We're checking in. or making our usual check-in with the folks at the Havoc Journal. Uh, Charles Faint is the owner of the Havoc Journal, and just a great read there. I tell you, how, how many articles do you put up on average a, a week, Charles? Because it seems like every time, I mean, if I log in every day, there's something new up every day at least. Absolutely right. And that, again, that's a function of Mike Warnock getting out soliciting articles. So we do like to do repost. Some of our, our content is evergreen, like the article you just mentioned from Wendy Arena, some of I Minkafeld stuff, some of my things that we published in the past. But we really like the new content to keep it fresh. So Mike will publish about five articles a day, and we could do more, but we don't want to saturate people. Some people have subscriptions for us. They get emails when we publish something. We'll hit them up like multiple times a day and make them quit. But, yeah, so we'll publish five, and uh, sometimes – six or sometimes four, so between four and six a day. And at least one of those articles will be probably one that we published in the past. It's still a good read, and two, three, four of them will be brand-new articles. Are you seeing some overall growth? Are you Is the trajectory headed in the right direction? I think so. It's hard to tell. We were doing so well before Facebook changed up its algorithms. We were doing hundreds of thousands of views a month, and now we're lucky to get 60, 70. So I think we're doing okay. My main measure is been is how many people write in to tell us that they appreciated something we did or that they think we're doing a good job or they want us to publish something they did like the folks at the Sergeant's Major Academy. So none of us are in this for the money. Havoc does. We, it is a for-profit company. We do make some money largely thanks to our relationship with the Epoch Times. But that's not what we're here for. So as long as we think we're making a difference for the veteran community and helping out first responders, we'll keep doing it. So I think we're making that mission right now. Well, along those lines, let's let's go back. There's a couple other things I wanted to share some impressions about the article by Wendy Arena called Combat Stress Control Units, Who Takes Care of the Caregiver? I had a guest on that was talking about trauma, severe trauma, particularly in the context of, of law enforcement officers. And the citation he had was that on average – we civilians may experience three or four genuinely traumatic experiences in our lifetime. A police officer will experience 700 in a 20-year career. And just talking about how you can't, you just can't shake that after a while. And thinking about this article by Wendy, when you're talking about veterans who, who've got post-traumatic stress, or even in some cases, a, a traumatic brain injury. We had, a, a, in fact, just last week, we had a guest on who had a traumatic brain injury. And he painted the picture this way. He says, I'm a 40, 40-year-old who thinks like a 16-year-old. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. So are things getting better 
out there, Charles? Are we now recognizing this earlier? Are, are treatments becoming more effective, or we're still sort of in that mid-zone where we don't know? So I, I'm going to have to go with mid-zone. We don't know. I think we are better in a lot of ways. I'm thinking about when I first got in the Army 27 years ago, we didn't talk a lot about PTSD. We, I mean, I think a lot of us still call it shell shock. And that was something that you were just expected to, to take a knee, face out, drink water, and work through on your own. I think we've gotten a lot better about that. I do worry from time to time that we're kind of over-diagnosing and excusing behavior that, that folks are engaging in and attributing it to PTSD. The fact of the matter is there are people who are genuinely sick who need this help, and we need to find ways to give it to them. And we need to make sure while we're doing that, that we're also taking care of the caregivers because they share our burden as well. And I don't think I don't think we, we need to forget that. No, secondary PTSD is, is a very big deal. Uh, For sure. Charles, this is not, I don't know if this is a Havoc Journal thing or just a Charles thing, but you just came back from a two-week trip to Israel that sounded really, really cool. Tell us about the Peace Dialogue Leadership Initiative, if you would. Oh, yeah, PDLI. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I, I love this. It's something we've been doing for 10 years, so. I went to grad school at, at Yale University, which you know, Ben. And while I was in there, uh, another grad friend of mine who had a couple classes with, his name was Uriel Epstein, had an idea that he wanted to take folks who hadn't experienced Israel or Palestine, take them over there and let them get a firsthand view, what we call boots on the ground view of the conflict. And we talked, we worked with some other friends, uh, his friend Noah Fight, who was out of UPenn, my friend Dr. Ruth Byler, who's at West Point. We put this thing together, and it's now in its 10th year. Of course, there were two years we didn't go for COVID. But what it does is take some of the highest performing students about Yale University and at West Point, puts them together for a year-long fellowship that includes 11 days boots on the ground in Israel. And we, we go to link to the breadth of the country. We talked to some of the most uh, influential people there. We had a sit-down with current ambassador and a former ambassador and some Palestinian Authority politicians, as well as just normal folks and military members and everything. I love it. I think it's a great program. Cool. Cool. It's a really great people there. And you say it's it's a it's a one-year program, but they spend just under two weeks in Israel itself? Yeah, so the the program starts with the fellowship. So after everyone's selected, it's highly selected of both schools. Lots of people want to be a part of it. But we only take about 30, 35 people. Basically, we sit on one bus is basically our, our limit. And there's leadership development, which I focus on. The civil relations angle, which is my key aspect, there's politics, there's conflict studies, and then just trying to get a wide range of views from all angles of this conflict. We talked with folks who are from the Druze religious sect. We talked to Arab Israelis. We talked to Palestinians, of course, Jewish Israelis, settlers, and just get as many views as possible on this so they can understand the conflict and have a better understanding of U.S. civil military relations. Because just statistically, the types of people who go to schools like Yale end up getting into positions in governments, U.S. or others, who's a lot of foreign years students going this trip, that make the decisions that affect where people like me end up going. So I just selfishly, I think it's in my interest because I or my children might work for these folks one day for them to kind of understand what we do and the human cost of military conflict. And one of the ways we do that is by taking a look at Israel Palestine. Yeah, what a, what a great, great idea. I hope that uh, maybe that could be expanded to other regions because, again, being raised overseas, I'm a big believer that too many American young people just they have no clue. They've got no idea, and they actually have to be there and, and walk in those people's boots or sandals or whatever it is to really understand. That's going to help us all with our, our foreign policy. 
speaking of other countries, I don't know. I didn't look it up on chat GDP, Charles, but can, <laughs> what can we believe what's going on in, in Ukraine? What What is your take on those things over there? And just about three minutes, but I feel remiss if I didn't pick your brain a little bit about it. Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you the, the, the 2.5 minute version on it. So I've been really focused on Israel for the last couple of weeks. I just got back a couple of days ago. But my understanding is that, that a, a counteroffensive of some type has started. And simultaneous with that, someone, we assume it's the Russians, but we don't know. Someone has blown up a big dam. It's flooded a lot of farmland. And the idea behind that, it was done to interfere with the counteroffensive. And to, the short answer to your question, Ben, is no, you shouldn't believe anything that we're hearing from over there. There's so much mis misinformation on all sides. But I will also say that I'm very pleased as an American, as a, as a U.S. military veteran, how well Ukraine is doing. The, the mere fact that they continue to exist as a nation, that they're continuing to resist, they're continuing to get after the Russians, I think speaks very highly of them. As I mentioned to several of my friends before, it's very refreshing to see a country standing up for itself like the Ukrainians are doing. So I don't know what's going on over there. I understand that there is some type of fighting going on. I, I just assume the Ukrainians didn't have enough left to do it very expensive on the scale of the one that we think we're seeing right now. But at the same time, I, like most military professionals, never expected Ukraine to get to this point. So I don't know if it's true, Ben. I guess next time I'm on the show, we'll talk more about it. Well, do you think it's maybe not this extreme, but do you think it's really a battle of old school war strategy versus technology? And it's almost like the, the Russians haven't figured it out yet. Absolutely. Well, they've shown over many years that they don't care too much about that. Sort of like, that's the way that we do. But eventually, yeah, Ukraine's going to run out of American missiles and Ukrainian soldiers to use them. But I, I don't know what we're seeing right now. I was amazed by how poorly Russia performed in terms of not only maneuver, but logistics, intelligence, all these other things that are such an important part of the battle. I, what I really hope, Ben, is China's taking a look at this and thinking, maybe we don't go after Taiwan right now. Yeah, well, from, from your lips to God's ears, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, it's basic blocking and tackling from a, a civilian outsider's perspective. When well, hopefully it, it stays contained and, and things don't get get really out of hand. You're coming back to the artificial intelligence. I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and you'll find these videos of people purporting to be something that's happening in Ukraine. Or my favorite is it's it's uh, camera footage from uh, AC-130 gunship uh, doing combat yep. in the Middle East. And then if you look a little bit closer or you get to the comments, someone says, wait a minute, that's that's a clip from Call of Duty. <laughs> that's that's not even real, folks. And, you know, sometimes I see this stuff coming out of Ukraine. It's like, well, what what can I believe and what what can I? Well, you know what? Well, I can believe that Havoc Journal is the place to go. How's that? <laughs> How's that for a close? Great, great way to end it, Ben. Thanks so much. Charles, thanks for spending your time with our listeners today. Don't forget, folks, visit Havoc Journal, HavocWithAK.com. That's my go-to resource for all things military and first responder. And you can also find this podcast and over 500 others at AmericanWarriorRadio.com. We're on all the main streaming platforms. Look for us there as well. And uh, if you have some guest ideas or show ideas, feel free to contact us. You can contact us via the webpage, AmericanWarriorRadio.com. Until next time, all policies and procedures are remain in place. Take care. You've been listening to American Warrior Radio. Archived episodes may be found at AmericanWarriorRadio.com or your favorite podcast platform.